Welcome in to the Jackson and Caden podcast. Here for episode three, we are going the route of movies today. Our first movie we're going to be talking about in this series is my favorite movie of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, you you spoke about this quite often this semester, you know, throughout January until I eventually watched it with you. Um, it, was, it was a really good movie. It was better than I, than I expected. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it before because some scenes like spoke out to me. I'm like, I think I've seen that before. But overall, you know, I have, I'm giving this a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. It's, I'm stuck right between them, and I don't give halves out. So, Well, I'm giving it an 11 out of 10, the greatest movie ever. It is... Some parts are sad. Some parts show hope. Um, there's excitement throughout the movie. And the way it's paced is just beautiful, going scene to scene. And you never really get bored in this movie. No. And one of the biggest things is, you know, we have our main character, Andy Dufresne. And most of the movie, you're wondering, did he do it or did he not do it? And I think that's something that's very important to this film because it kind of keeps you on your toes because it never really shows you what happens in the special scene until kind of towards the middle of the end. Yes. And if you have not seen The Shawshank Redemption, please pause the episode Go watch it. Come back after because we are going to do a spoiler episode here. Tell you what it's a, what this movie's about, the characters, the plot, everything. And Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne is one of my favorite characters of all time. Andy plays a character who is convicted of murdering his wife mm-hmm. um, and his her. Um, Affair. And, yes, the person she's having an affair with, Yes, he's convicted of a double murder, sentenced to life in prison. But throughout the movie, we see, does he do it? Or did he do it? Or did he not? And it really keeps you on your toes, like Caden said. He goes to the prison, Shawshank Prison. And um, he quickly, not quickly, but after a month or two, becomes friends the narrator of this movie, Red, was Red. played by Morgan Freeman. Red is probably my favorite character in this movie. I love Andy Dufresne as well, but Red kind of ties it all together. He is actually the narrator of the movie itself. And I think he adds a lot of elements that we miss with Andy and like just the process of prison. He's kind of the mentor for Andy. And, you know, you see his experience as someone who's been in prison his whole life and repeatedly repeatedly denied parole. And he kind of just gives up hope and lives that prison lifestyle. Yeah, so basically the way this movie starts off is Andy is in the car. He has a gun. Getting drunk. And he's drunk. And it seems like he is about to commit the murder that... Uh, that he is sent to jail for. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the way they phrase it, or that's the way they put it in the beginning. And it's really a good way, I think, the director uh, did this shot, looking like Andy committed this murder. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to the trial. Cuts back and forth from the trial, and him with a gun in his car. And he is sentenced 
to two life sentences in prison for each murder he committed. And this is where we cut to the next scene. Uh, his arrival at prison, you know, he gets in the classic prison bus. He's rolling there and with other convicted people. And, you know, he gets there and I think there's a lot of fear that goes through a lot of them. But he seems like he's pretty composed. You know, they're walking in line. And all the other inmates are, like, yelling at him and some kind of provocative things and some some sexual things, as we know, happens in prison. Um, and then the warden, you know, kind of lines him up, tells him what their experience is going to be like, that he's heavy on discipline and he's heavy in religion. And the funny thing is the current inmates that were watching them were making bets with you know prison commissary things of that nature to who is going to crack first and cry for his mommy yes so basically red the narrator of this movie bets that andy will break and he will cry and say i want out of prison which obviously i would do it (laughs) i I would i would probably cry too if i was in prison if i'm being honest but andy does not cry and does not break so red loses the bet i believe he lost some cigarettes in that bed. Yeah, some cigarettes and whatever they had to trade in the prison. Um, so as we roll along in this movie, we see a shift. We see Andy gets selected to go tar the roof uh, of the prison or of a different building. It was of a, a different building, yes, but like the prisoners were in charge of it because they didn't have to pay them. Yeah. So they went and worked there. Red being... A very well-known person in the prison was able to make some bribes mm-hmm. and get him and his friends to go tar the roof of a prison. Or go tar the roof of another building and get out of prison. So when he's there, Andy overhears one of the wardens. This is the worst warden. Um, I believe it's uh, Captain Hadley? Hadley? Sounds fine to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, he overhears him talking... About getting money from... I think it was from a divorce. Yeah, or, or something his, like his brother dying, I think. Yeah. But, uh... Some, something messed up with family. Yeah, and he got a bunch of money, and he was complaining about taxes. And saying how he was going to have to give it all to the prison... Or give it all to the government. And... So, Andy, being a very smart guy... he I was think he was a former accountant as well. Yes. He was a big banker, very knowledgeable person. He goes over to the warden, or goes over to the prison guard, and says, Do you trust your wife? <laughs> That's what it was. That's what he said. And the prison guard holds him over the edge of the building. Threatening him in his life. Threatening him to throw him over the building, because it's all about discipline in the prison. And he took that as an insult. But Andy quickly explains, if you trust your wife, you can give her some of the money and get out tax-free yeah, or something. Yeah, it's like some type of gift. Yeah. And so the, war, or the guard quickly says, hmm, okay. And gets Andy to help him mm-hmm. with uh, tax advice and mm-hmm. forms and stuff. And Andy asks for free beers for all of his co-workers. And he doesn't drink one himself because he gave up drinking. No, he doesn't drink one himself. Gives it all to his uh, fellow co-workers. 
And people really saw him in a much positive... I mean, they didn't dislike him, but they really liked him after this, yeah, what he they, did. They considered him someone to be trusted. Um, and then after this, you know, we see... It cuts to a, a shot within the prison itself, kind of like the library area, or what was to be a library area. And we see all the guards line up with their tax documents trying to figure out how to do things. And then we see... Andy Dufresne, you know, doing all their taxes and starting to get a little special treatment within the prison. Yes, and this is where we see another shift with Andy. At the beginning, we don't really need to get into it at all, trying to keep it a PG podcast here, but there was the sisters in the prison, and they were torturing Andy, constantly harassing him, and he got help from the prison guards once he started giving accounting advice to them mm-hmm. and so this type of harassment and torture stopped in the prison and andy really got uh more of a more privileged positions he got to work in the library he had to work with brooks who is another infamous character you know I'd, I'd like to go off a little tangent on brooks i saw a lot of good things in him he was this old man in the movie who uh who was in prison for all of his life and when he finally got released from prison, he struggled to adapt to uh, life outside. He was given a job at a grocery store being a bagger. And then one day he goes back to the house provided by the prison and decides to take his own life. Yes. It's a very sad moment. And, you know, it just makes you wonder, living in prison that long, can you actually adjust to life outside? And if we find that you can't, is prison really a solid answer for some of these people. Yeah, you see this. It's very unfortunate. Um, You see this in the movie from prisoners being there for their whole life and then coming out of prison and they don't have any friends, they don't have any family on the outside. And another thing I can think of is like when people get back from war, Mm -hmm. uh, get back from the army and military, and it's definitely a very tough uh, adjustment. And especially... In war, there's a lot of terrible things that go on there. And in prison, of course, it's not... Nothing really good happens there. It's a lot of bad things. Uh, It's definitely a tough adjustment. And I think Brooks was definitely more of a side character. He was like that fun guy you like to to watch on the screen. Yeah, he was one of the... um, Not co-stars, but one of the... People that weren't on screen as much. Mm-hmm. But it really showed how tough it is after getting out of prison, which I think was a really smart move by the writers of this and director Frank Darabont. Mm-hmm. Yes. And let's go to the next part of this movie. And this is when Tommy arrives. Oh, Tom. <coughs> he, has a, he has the information that turns the movie on its side. Man, Tommy, he was, he was a funny character in my opinion. You know, he's kind of like this classic Italian, kind of like a motorcycle driver, like just that classic look. And he gets arrested on uh, breaking and entering, stealing, uh, a television. stealing a television. And he is actually the only character in the Shawshank Redemption that I know of that actually admitted to doing his crime. Everyone else claimed innocence. Mm-hmm. And what's up? You're good. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say that his big Easter egg was he was talking about his old cellmate 
who was confessing some type of murder to him, which actually loopholes into Andy's story because his old prison mate, um, um, what's his name? Tommy's old prison mate is actually the one who killed Andy Dufresne's wife and the man she was sleeping with, which is a huge turn of events. Yes, it definitely is. Tommy really holds the key for Andy to get out of the prison. And I like how you put that. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and Andy goes to the warden, who he's been working for. At this point now, he's doing accounting for the whole prison, mm, all the guards. He's laundering money for the warden. It's, it's yes. a tough situation because you're getting special treatment from the warden, but it's also something you can't say no to after you started because yeah. you're <laughs> probably not getting out. Yeah, um, with Andy's smarts, he's able to get the prison, the warden, a ton of money. Um, I think he made, I think they're saying he's making over like a million dollars by the end, mm -hmm. which is a lot of money back then. Because um, this is a pretty, takes place a pretty long time ago. And um, I think Andy goes Andy to goes, the warden about Tommy's yes. story. And then this is where one of the saddest parts of the movie occurs. The warden approaches Tommy at night, has him come outside. He's like, would you be willing to testify, you know, against your old cellmate that Andy Dufresne didn't do this? And he says yes. And then the warden has him shot on sight because he yes. did not want his accountant and money launderer to be gone from his prison. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a very surprising part of the film. You definitely could see... That Andy goes to the warden and tells him about it. And Andy kind of insults the warden when he doesn't like what he's saying. And he gets put in solitary confinement. And then the warden goes, orders for Tommy to be shot. Because he wants Andy to keep doing the taxes, keep the money going, and keep on benefiting himself in the mm -hmm. prison. While Andy is forced to stay there. Yeah, and we see Andy struggle in solitary confinement as anyone would. I think he was put in there a month and the warden came in to like let him out. He's like, hmm, how about another month? How about another month? And that would yeah. be that would be horrible. You know, sixty days locked up in a room of darkness by yourself with no one to talk to. You know, it's a very saddening scene and it's a sad reality that some people have to go through that um in our prison system now. But I think that was a very interesting choice by the warden to place kind of his most prized inmate in that kind of state, in that situation. Yeah, um, I would definitely agree with this. And the Shawshank Redemption, it's it's kind of a hard movie to recap because there's so many small parts, small mm -hmm. details that really connect and add up at the end. Um, but one of them is Red in the prison is able to get things to people. He's kind of he kind of has smuggler. his he kind of has his own economy in the prison. He's able to work with people from outside to get in tools or like whatever they really want as long as it's not like a big shovel to get out of the prison because yeah, then it gave him a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah. And uh I think Andy Dufresne makes a joke. He uh, what's he like at? like a rock pick? He, he wants, yeah, I believe it was a rock axe or something. Something like a small little axe. And then Red jokes, oh, if you're trying to get out of prison, it's going to take you years using that thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the one thing I think Andy ever asked for. And we'll go into it later about how this thing is 
pretty important. Yeah. So Andy Andy asked for this, and at the time they're like, oh, maybe he's going to break out of prison. And then you see the little rock hammer. It's like, okay. He actually is just, uh, I think he claimed sculpting. to be a... Yeah. Sculpting. Claimed uh, to be like a geologist or something, and he wanted to make little carvings out of rocks. Yeah. And as we go on, he starts asking for other things. He asked for posters to be hung up in his prison. I think he asked for one, and then just as a general gift, Red gives him another one after, I think, the beer on the roof scene. Yeah, or it was him getting back from solitary, yeah. one of those two. And then toward the end of the movie, he asked for a rope, I think of like a six-foot rope or so. And that's when we're like, you know, we already saw Brooks take his own life. And so I was kind of worried that Andy Dufresne would be doing the same with that rope. And I think that's what they wanted us to believe, mm-hmm. was that these items that he was asking for were not at all related. Yeah, this was after Andy got out of solitary. And throughout his whole time at Shawshank, he seemed to have this, like, inner hope. And what he talked, what he would always tell Red was, hope is a good thing. And it's something that can never be taken from him. The guards can never take it from him. Inside... He's going to be hopeful. He's going to be happy. Mm-hmm. But after being in solitary for, I believe, two months, he kind of started to change his thoughts about this and started to agree with Red a little bit more. Like, yeah, I don't see any hope anymore. I'm going to be in here for the rest of my life. Yeah. And this is where we saw a big change in the story and saw Andy as someone who's getting depressed and looks like it was definitely, we started thinking, is it going to be like Brooks? Is he going to himself in his cell but we get to the next day and i believe they try to do a head count mm-hmm. all the prisoners come out and they oh we're missing one who is it Dufresne Dufresne get out of your cell you better be i think he said dead like you better be dead yeah when i go in there he walks in there and he's nowhere to be found mm-hmm. and they get mad they're like shut down the prison everyone go look for him and then they're kind of looking around the room, looking for looking for things he might have used to escape, and things of that nature. And he just gets mad. And I believe he picks up one of the figurines yep. and like tries to throw it against the wall, goes through a poster, and kind of makes a little little noise afterward. That didn't sound like a wall. They mm-hmm. open the poster up. There's a huge hole behind it, leading. You know, into like kind of like the inner workings of the prison, like where all the pipes are, and mm-hmm. that is where Andy made his escape. Yes, and after this scene, we go back to the previous day, mm-hmm. and it shows how Andy escapes. Andy crawls through the tunnel. He has to crawl through sewage. Yes. So much poop. Yeah, <laughs> he crawls oh. through the tunnel, jumps down, hits the sewage pipe, climbs 500 yards, they claim. Mm-hmm. Five football fields. Yeah, five football fields and gets out of the prison. And this is where he then escapes. Mm-hmm. He goes to a bank. He goes to various banks. Under what name do you use? I forget that. Oh, he, he made like a identity. And he was saying like, oh, I can create someone that exists, but only on paper. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he made this fake person, I think, while in prison. I think he may have been doing it with the books with the warden. And um, I think that's actually where it came from the most is when he was funneling that money for money laundering, he was using this new identity to clean the money Mm -hmm. 
And so when he got out of prison, he had this identity, he went to the banks and withdrew all that money, was able to make his escape to his little dream island. Yes, and this is called Sarahara, Mexico. We're not saying it right, but he goes off to this little uh, piece of like tropical paradise, basically, yeah. in Mexico, and he lives on the beach there. Yeah, and, and before he makes his prison escape, he tells Red, I don't want to get too deep into it, I don't know the exact details, but he's basically telling him there's this big tree in this certain area, Find it, and there'll be something for you under the tree. Yes. And what it ended up being was a stack of money and a nice letter to tell him where he was. And at the end of the movie, we see Red approach the beach, see Andy, and they reunite once more once he makes parole. Yeah, it's a really nice scene at the end. They start to zoom out. They hug each other, and that's how the movie ends. And through this movie, that that's about our that's our general recap there. And I'm not sure how great it was. A 21-minute recap, you know. Of a movie that's two and a half hours. So we're just going to start going into a couple of the bigger, like, details. Because as you watch this movie, once you get to the end, you figure everything out. Mm -hmm. Like, this leads to this, this leads to that, yada, yada, like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of the big parts is obviously the pickaxe. The stone pickaxe. And... He stores his pickaxe, as we see later on in the film, inside his Bible. He cuts out a big chunk of the Bible and puts it in there. And this is how he's able to store his pickaxe without it getting taken when his cell is checked. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's one part in the film where the guards check his cell. And the warden's in there. He picks up his Bible, too, I believe. He picks up his Bible... He starts talking to him about the Bible, and Andy reads a passage from it. Mm-hmm. He quotes one. Yeah. About salvation, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, we're, it gets pretty nerve-wracking for a moment there, because he gives the Bible back mm-hmm. and doesn't look in it, luckily, because that's where the pickaxe was. And so that's one big part of it. You have one, Kane? Yeah, I, it's kind of like a piece of each moment, uh, according Going to that Bible thing, we were talking about how the warden in the beginning was very big on religion. And I think it's very interesting how the writers depicted Andy Dufresne's escape and letter back, getting revenge, always using quotes from the Bible. Like when he wrote, he wrote the warden after writing to the police about his money laundering scheme. And he included a quote in there. I'm not sure what it was about necessarily. Something about, I don't remember. I don't want to get it wrong here, but he included a Bible quote passage about kind of like the situation, like kind of getting what you deserve. And at that moment, we see the cops pull up, knock on his door, and then we see the warden shoot himself yeah, in the face. Because they found out Andy basically, we forgot this part, but Andy takes out documents and basically, I think he gives them to the police or yes. something. Yeah. And he, it shows them to police, I think. It shows how guilty the warden is, warden is for all of his money laundering, all of his uh, bad practices inside the prison, all the legal things he's done. And obviously, if he would have went to prison, it would have not have been a good time for no, him there. He would have been dead in there. He probably would have been killed inside the prison because of the way he treated the inmates. Mm hmm. 
And yeah, that was definitely a big part. Here's one of the biggest parts in the story, especially watching it for the first time. I was really thinking under the tree where Andy leaves all the money, the note and everything. I thought he was maybe going to leave the gun and we were going to figure out that he did commit the murder. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought for a minute. I thought it could be potentially a gun. And then I couldn't really figure out what it would be other than that. I think at one point I thought it was going to be like, you know, like a pack of cigarettes for red. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when he first like talks about this, this tree, I thought that he had buried something there before going to prison. Like, I thought it was just like a tree that meant a lot to him because I think that's where he proposed to his wife. Yeah. And I thought he buried something there, like, as a memory of that. But it turns out, like, he went back there after he escaped prison. So, mm-hmm. after knowing that, not only did I open the door up for a lot more things, and I had, I had no idea what it was going to be. Yeah, I was definitely happy out of his money and that it showed that he was actually innocent. Mm-hmm. But I will say, that would have been a big twist to this movie. I think it would have been a good twist. I don't know if Red would have went to see him, though. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, there's a, there's another part in this movie. There's so much we can't quite talk about all of it. But um, Red appealing for parole throughout the movie. It it was very sad. It was because he obviously we get the scope of kind of his later years in prison. Then they did this parole hearing kind of thing. A couple years at a time. Every other maybe every other year. But every time he's asked. Do you feel like you've changed, that you would no longer be a dangerous society, that he's been institutionalized? And every time he kind of gives like a, excuse my language here, but a half-ass answer, and he doesn't really seem to care, and then he keeps getting denied parole, so I think that's why he quits trying. And at the very end, he kind of gives this big speech about like who he is as a person, not really trying to make parole, but trying to explain to them you know, what's, what's happened here in the past and, like, how he is as a person. And the new parole committee grants him his parole and he ends up getting out of prison not having to escape. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he based every 10 years he shows up and for the first two or three times he basically gives, like, a very structured answer, like, yes, I've been re- rehabilitated in prison, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm society. And the last time, he's just really honest about it. He's like, yes, of course, I feel super guilty about this, but I don't feel re- rehabilitated. Like, this is what you guys are asking me. It's just kind of bogus. Like, mm-hmm. I will always feel this guilt. And he ba- he's basically honest. I don't he's know the exact quote. He's but... the prison system, which I think is kind of needed to be done because I need a nice criticism of it. So... Yeah, yeah, I think what he said was very interesting, and I think his honest response is what got their attention to release him from prison. Yeah. Um, let's think about it. There's definitely some more in here. But uh, here, we're going we're gonna to shift a little bit here and talk about the 1994 or 95 Oscars. Now, Shawshank was really in the year of movies. That was one of the greatest ever. Yeah, um, I'm doing some research before this podcast and speaking with my co-host here, Jackson. I was like, did this win an Oscar? He's like, no, it, it lost to Forrest Gump. 
That was very sad. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> before asking, like, maybe he got robbed of an Oscar, but I'm not trying to disrespect Forrest Gump at all. Like, it was a really good movie, so I can see why it won an Oscar over The Shawshank Redemption, but kind of in hindsight, it's, just, it's one of those where it could come down to either one. Um, both have many different aspects that, you know, relate to the people of the time. I think Forrest Gump had a lot more of, like, different aspects as, like, it had war, it had sports, it had, um, you know, like, southern lifestyle, had city lifestyle, it had talk about disease, you know, all that kind of thing that kind of wrapped into one, and if if they were to release that Shawshank Redemption any other year, I think it wins an Oscar. Yeah, there's also Pulp Fiction in this year, which is obviously one of Quentin Tarantino's greatest films. I unfortunately have not seen it yet. I have not either. But I've heard it's just a really great film. But I, I will die. I will die defending Shawshank's honor against Forrest <laughs> Gump because I just think I just think it hits everywhere. The pace, like I said earlier, is perfect. It has a great message in this movie. Um, it doesn't like sugarcoat anything. It's very honest about prison and people's thoughts when they get out and in prison. And I just think it's one of the few, one of very few perfect movies. I think if maybe maybe Shawshank was a little too far ahead of his time. Because people were not really wanting to be critical of the prison system at that time. And I think if it is released now, we would have a much different scope on it because, you know, we're talking about prison reform a lot these days. And this movie goes to show how damaging prison can be, especially to, you know, we have someone stealing TVs and, like, they could potentially wind up on the same path as, like, Brooks and Red. Who murdered like, people. Yeah. yeah. Like, who... You know, you're stealing TVs, but, like, you're in this prison system so long with so many other bad people that you become kind of accustomed to that lifestyle. So once you're, if you get out, you're never the same and you're worse off than you were before. And you may not be a danger to society anymore, but you're definitely a danger to yourself. Yeah. Um, going back to, uh, what am I trying to say? For the, for the Oscars, there is a uh, Best Actor Award. Morgan Freeman's nominated. He loses to Tom Hanks, who I don't want to hate him too much. This award because he was great. He was really, Tom really Hanks. great in Forrest Gump. Amazing. And but I think it should have been the rare two actors from one movie: Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins. And Tim Robbins getting nominated because they were both exquisite in this film. To use a big word. Mm-hmm. Um. And Tim Robbins, I was just... I never really heard of him before this movie. And I was just really, really impressed by his character. Yeah, he, he did a really well... He did a really good job of acting. And it was one of those where, like, it seemed real. Like that kind, The way he acted in prison, I think, is the way a lot of people of his stature would act. Like, the, the richer guys who, like, don't really know what they're going to get into. And they're kind of, like, silent and stiff and... <coughs> You know, he portrays that that role very, very well. Yeah, um, that's the big thing. If you don't think they're acting, then they're a great actor, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you can't tell they're acting, they're doing a great job. And this movie all around, acting, 
writing is really great in this movie. And we're going to go to some great quotes from this movie. Mm-hmm. Just to name a couple. Like, the first I can think of, just popping my head, is hope is a good thing. Um, Andy and Red talking to each other. Uh, Red has kind of given up. He's like, I won't be able to make it out. Prison, I can't have hope. And Andy says, there's a little spot inside of you that no one can ever get to. And that's hope. And he talks about how important that is. Mm-hmm. I think one of the better ones as well is get busy living or get busy dying. Yes. And I, it, at, at the time, you're like, what does that even mean? And then you realize, like, either, either living or dying. So if you're worrying about death, if you're not really enjoying your life, then you're more of get busy dying at that moment. And if you get busy living, then you're trying to better yourself in every way you can. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, there's definitely like, those are the most quotable lines, but there's a ton of other lines. I feel like it's mostly when Andy and Red talk to each other, there's just like chemistry that like, I can't even explain. Like they just go off of each other so well. Um, when they're talking, when uh, Red scared Randy near the end of the movies, like, what if he's, is he going to die? Is he going to kill himself? Has he given up? Um, and they're talking about just, like, whatever the place is in Mexico, Zalajara or whatever. Um, which one of the best here? Zihuana Taneo. Zihuana Taneo. That's it. Zihuana Taneo. I think two of my favorite quotes... I'm going to kind of like riddle them off back to back here, give a little explanation of each one. I'm going to kind of like adapt this, this first quote here. And it's when he's talking about his wife. He said, she was beautiful. God, I loved her. I just didn't know how to show it. That's all. I killed her red. I didn't pull the trigger, but I drove her away. And that's the way she died because of me. And I think it just, he may not be talking about her actual life, but their life together, you know, not paying attention to her as much as he should, drove her away into this other man who they ended up being at the wrong place at the wrong time, being murdered. And he, I mean, when you go to prison and you're in there for two life sentences, all you can do really is, is blame yourself. Yeah. You see, like, a very, not to interrupt, I'm just going to no, like, but uh, it shows, like, a very dark, like, mm-hmm. time in Andy's life, especially in prison. He's feeling very guilty for things, even though it was not caused by him, of course, this murder. In a lighter note, I really enjoy this one. He said, it's funny, you know, on the outside, I was an honest man, straight as an arrow. I had to come to prison to be a crook. Yes, that's, that's, that's one of the better ones. Um, it's a great one, because Andy didn't commit any crimes nope, he was, outside of prison. He was not... A criminal outside of prison, but he did break some walls in prison, and I think it's a very interesting turn of events here when you you talk about the prison system because you, maybe you do have someone <coughs> falsely convicted, and now they're in jail and learning these ways of of committing crime. Yes, um, going to the lighter note as well. One of my favorite parts—not my favorite parts, but one of the funnier parts of the movie—is where Tommy, I believe. Tommy's the one that's murdered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh he takes the high school test because he hasn't passed high school. And he teaches him all about 
just a ton of subjects, and he tries to take the test to get his degree. And he, he looks he looks at it, or Andy gives it to him. He crumples it up. This is garbage. This is garbage, and goes and throws in the garbage. It was the one kind of like overacting in the movie, but it still worked great. Cause it was just really funny, in mm-hmm. my opinion. And yeah, overall, this movie just really impressed me. I watched it for the first time less than a year ago, and it's definitely my favorite movie ever. And I, I give it ten out of ten, eleven out of ten, actually, eleven out of ten. Yeah. Yep. All right, I'm gonna look up this quote here. Um, when he sends him the letter, let's see here. His quote to the letter. No, oh, that's to Red. Hmm. You know what? I'm not sure. You're good. We can cut it out if you yeah, want. Yeah, cut it out. Yeah, take your time, honestly. I'm gonna do some edits. Not gonna lie. I think it was, you're right, Warden, Salvation. Salvation lay within. One of the Bible quotes he talks mm-hmm. about. Yeah. There are some good ones. Um, and really the Warden is a really great character. I mean, he wasn't a great person. He's a great, great character. Great yes. villain. I know. Great villain in the movie. But and not the best villain of all time. Who is the best villain of all time? I mean, it's probably Shooter McGavin. <laughs> and Happy Gilmore might be a, a future, future podcast. Yep. I think it should be. We'll we'll make some determinations on that. We'll, we'll look into that one. Um, I think that's. Do you have anything else, Kim? No, nope, that's all I got. For this I think that's show. pretty much it. Um, hopefully, we described it okay. The Shawshank yep. Redemption. Please watch if you haven't. It is a classic. Thank you all for listening. Um, I know it wasn't sports today, but we try to keep it. Try to keep it different on here. Yeah. Creative podcast here. Yep. Talk about what we love. And Shawshank, I do love it. All right. All right. Have a good one. See ya.